0: the Startup Immigrants series of the Immigrants Squared podcast. Did you know that studies found that immigrants could be more likely than others to start businesses precisely because of their appetite for risk, which helped them go abroad in the first place? Join me on an adventure to build a safe space for immigrant entrepreneurs to motivate, support, and learn from each other. In each episode, you'll discover a special story, the motivations, struggles, and successes behind it. Buckle up. We're ready for takeoff. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Immigrant Squared podcast. Thanks so much for joining this series of Startup Immigrants. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your business?
1: I am. Thanks so much for uh, having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am an industrial organizational psychologist uh, that lives in Washington D.C. Um, and I am the daughter of a Mexican immigrant. Uh, my mom came to the U.S. when she was uh, about seventeen, so like, um, and she started working in the factories, and from there she rose to um, higher level positions. She was working at one point for the Speaker of the House, and she has her doctorate in education, and she had just basically overcame every battle that it sets up in front of immigrants. And she started a nonprofit, which I, um, was kind of my inspiration. She is, you know, I'm really like, what of a immigrant and entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. So my mom is a huge inspiration to me. Um, I was the first in my family to go to college. I went to the university of Iowa and I remember, just like not having any clue what i was doing <laughs> like just feeling like i was completely in the dark like looking at my friends and like you know trying to like learn what they were doing without looking like a complete idiot like i didn't even know how to buy books or like where to get them <laughs> what to do i'd never been on the college campus before um but i mean obviously it all worked out i i ended up loving it but it was just I think I had a little bit of a different experience a lot of my friends had you know family that had gone to school um, or they were like their brother or sister had gone to the university before they did Um, so it was definitely like I felt like I was navigating in the dark for a little bit Um, and I got my master's at UNC Charlotte in industrial organizational psychology and then went on and did some consulting work for a while at Gallup Um, and then I ended up realizing my real passion is kind of in the science and research, so I went back to get my PhD, and that's really where I started kind of reconnecting with a lot of students from, you know, immigrants or marginalized groups that, you know, are also the first in their family to go to college and mentoring them. Um, One of my favorite stories is about... Um, one of my students is he came to me as a freshman and told me he wanted to do some research and I had tried to get other faculty members to take him on because I was just an adjunct at the time and nobody had time or wanted to work for like have an undergrad research assistant he was too young and so I was like if we're going to do this. Like, I will take you on as, you know, an independent study and then be your supervisor, faculty member. Um, but you're really going to have to work hard. Like, this is, you know, really going to be a challenge, but I'm going to push you. I'm going to help you along the way. And I worked with him for about four years and now he is in a PhD program. And he always tells me that he never like would even have thought of going to a PhD program um, if I hadn't kind of introduced him to the science and the research. So to me, that was probably one of the most, um, the word I'm looking for? Um, one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had uh, was being able to kind of be there for somebody, you know who had a similar experience as mine where I didn't have somebody like that um, and really be able to, to make a difference and help them get on their career path um, and so I spend a lot of time, you know, with students, especially if they're in the entrepreneurship field, cause that's my other area, um, of passion, but really just have a huge passion around higher education, um, and helping students. And I think I got that from my mom. She, uh, I, I she was in community college, I think when I was, like maybe in high school and I just saw how hard she worked and like, and she got her bachelor's degree and then her master's degree and then her doctorate of education. And, um, I think it's just part of our family is that, you know, there's just that love of education and how much enlightenment it can bring to really be able to learn, um, in a way that, you know, you choose and that feels comfortable. And so now she's in higher ed still working and I'm in higher ed working. And <laughs> so it kind of came all full circle, but absolutely. Been, uh my mom has definitely been a huge motivation. Um, and my own experiences have really led me to try to help those students who are in those similar spots, because I remember feeling like I was just, I had no clue what I was doing. I felt like such an idiot all the time.
0: So it sounds like you had a, a little bit of a different experience because, um, you were a child of immigrants. Were there any other examples throughout your life where you felt like a bit different or struggling because your parents were not born here?
1: Um, yeah, I think it was my whole childhood, basically. Um, I just, I always felt like an outsider, you know, um, and we had come home and talk to my mom about stories and she wouldn't, like, there's very consistent U.S. culture in high school and uh, middle school. And she didn't really understand that because she had gone through a completely different experience. And I just, I had never felt like I belonged in my high school. Like I always felt like such an outsider. Um, Even when I was younger, uh, my mom tells me this story, but I don't remember, but it makes me feel like so guilty and like the worst child ever but when we were really young um she would try to speak spanish to us and we would come home and we're like don't talk to us like that because we i think were influenced by our peers that you know we had to conform and assimilate and we weren't supposed to be speaking another language um and Definitely, if I, you know, could go back and talk to my younger self, I would (laughs) totally have changed that. But it was a lot of pressure, I think, to be like everybody else and, um, you know, fit into the things that people do. And that was just, you know, my mom has eight brothers and sisters that all lived within like five or ten minutes of our house when I was growing up. So they were constantly over, we were constantly, you know, when people like ask me about my family, this was always a weird thing. It still is actually. People ask me about my family and, and when they say family, they say, they're thinking like your immediate family, like brothers, sisters, mother, father. And when I say the word family, it's like 40 people, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like it's, I have to remember that sometimes cause I'll start answering the question in a way that, wasn't intend like what, not what they asked, um, about my family, but I have always felt different. And I think I struggled with that a lot when I was a child, but at some point I really started to embrace it. Um, and just feel like, wow, like there is nobody else like me. <laughs> I'm so unique because I have so many different, you know, uh, family members that have influenced me. My mom had seven sisters and my sister once, I have a younger sister and she, we were, uh, you know, driving the car the other day and she's like, you do realize we had like a really insane, unique childhood experience, right? And I was like, what, what do you mean? She's like, we had seven moms, like seven really powerful, like independent, very strong women in our lives. He was like, tell me one other person that is had that much influence from, you know, like kind of women leaders. And then That's just, amazing. Yeah. I was just like, Oh my God, you're right. Like I did have an awesome experience. Like, most people don't have like that many women, adults, like in their lives. And every one of my aunts, you know, they were all immigrants as well. They, you know, they didn't have their parents here when they moved here. So they were all super independent and really motivated and very comfortable in their own skin. And that definitely, I think influenced me, you know, long-term because eventually, you know, I grew up and, and stopped worrying about other people thinking that You know, I wasn't exactly the same or I wasn't speaking the language right. And just I think one of my favorite things about myself now is that I'm so unique. And I don't remember it all the time um, because it's just so natural to me. But for a while I was working um, at the Army Research Institute. And one of the um, higher level staff told us that when we we're going on data collections to collect data from soldiers that we had to wear frumpy clothes, no makeup, no hair styles, like basically like don't look like a female. And I didn't even hesitate or think about it for one second. I was just like, why? Why can't we just dress professionally? And everyone at the table has kind of looked at me like, whoa, she's totally like speaking up against the the hierarchy and questioning it. And um, I have a friend that she's like, she tells me that story, and I, I don't even remember it really, but I remember it now because she retells it a lot. But she said that in that moment she was just so inspired. Cause she what she's like, I wouldn't have said anything. I was young in my career and I didn't know. And then all of a sudden there's this. Um, you know, girl next to me is about my same age, and she's just not putting up with, you know, sexism or, you know, the way women are treated in, in the workplace. And it wasn't even a thought in my mind that I was doing something weird or wrong. But yeah. it was just because I think I had such powerful female leaders. I was just, I'm just comfortable, like, speaking up and saying, you know, what what I feel and think. and Yeah.
0: It's so interesting you say that because I find it as a common theme among like the mentality that immigrants and children of immigrants have. Like for me, I grew up among like really strong females, so mm-hmm. um, the whole um, kind of business that I'm working on that is part of this podcast called Elisa Dell, which is basically my two grandmas, Elisa and Adele, and I talk about them in the first episode and how powerful they were and how inspiring they were. And the same, like, my mom, we grew up with this mentality of, like, women can do anything, and anything is possible. And by both grandmas immigrated from the former Soviet Union to two different countries, two different parts of the world, but they kind of, like, fought the fight always. So I find it really encouraging and inspiring to hear that you had a similar experience, but even bigger, like, with seven inspiring women.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was, they were amazing. I just never thought of it as like a unique experience until my sister kind of put it in perspective. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> I totally just like blew my mind, like thinking about it like that. But it, I absolutely feel, never once did I ever say like, oh, I or think that I like couldn't do something because I was a woman. And I, in my head, when I first started my career, I was like, oh, there's not a lot of sexism in the workplace. I don't know what people are talking about. Like, cause I worked, really quickly up at Gallup when I was there and I was a leader and I was working with executives and nobody ever questioned like what I did or my expertise or like talked to me like I was different or anything like that. And so I never even thought of myself as like a woman leader. <laughs> and I didn't even realize that until I have a, a lot of friends who were like studying gender and working in D and I, and they were talking about like being a woman and I was like, huh, Like, I've never, like, that's never been part of my identity
0: because it's just, like, duh. Um, Yeah, same here. My feminist friends get really mad at me when I'm just, like, saying, I'm sorry, I can't relate, like, to all these problems that you're seeing in workplaces because I haven't experienced it. I don't say they don't exist, but I've always been, like, because I had that mentality of, like, women can do anything. I've never encountered the problem where somebody told me you can't do this because you're a woman, um, right? And not sensitive to those little, like, subtle, you know, yeah, marks that. Yeah, Absolutely, just, that's interesting. I, it's a combination of like the immigrant mentality, and then also being raised by these like powerful women who kind of fought the fight. So, throughout your um, research career, um, how did it? kind of lead you into entrepreneurship and what are you doing today? Yeah, that's a great question. So after I got my PhD, I went and got my postdoc and I studied decision-making and
1: cognitive bias, which has always really interested me. Um, I think probably part of that is like, you know, just my background, where I come from, like how do people make judgments and perceptions and impressions of others um, and how do they, you know, stereotype and what, is, what does that mean like in our brain? Um, and as an industrial organizational psychologist, I had traditionally, I like, spent most of my career helping companies, um, hire the right people for the right job. So basically building assessments or, you know, psychometric tests, uh, to identify traits that would, um, lead someone to be a better fit in a job. Um, because if people are in a poor fit, like it just doesn't make like their personality doesn't lend itself well to what they have to do on the job. then they tend to be unhappy, really don't enjoy their job. Um, And actually, you know, I'm going to take a step back and tell you why I started doing that. (laughs) So, I mean, industrial organizational psychology is a really, really big field. There's so many different areas in it. But what's always fascinated me is like the person's fit to the job and like how you figure that out. And it started because I remember one time my mom told me, that uh, the first time she ever felt like she belonged in the U S was because she had gotten this job and they just kind of treated her as part of the team. And it was just like, wow, you've been here like 30 years and never felt at home. And all of a sudden like a simple like job made you feel like change that feeling. And it just made me realize how much time people spend at work. They spend more time at work than they spend at home and how it has such a big impact on their overall being. Um, and, um, what it means to be able to like, to be in a job that you feel like, oh, this, you know, like I can do this. I'm really great at it. And, you know, I can do better and I want to grow and I'm excited and passionate about it. Like the people that are passionate about their work and find jobs that fit them, just their well being is so much better overall. You know, I've been in jobs that have been poor fits and it takes a physical, mental and emotional toll on you. Um, so that's how I got into kind of that that selection of fitting you know people to jobs Um, fast forward to my postdoc I was also studying decision making like how do people make decisions about you know who to hire and um, decisions in the workplace and I was doing an independent consulting project for a venture capital firm and in my field in industrial organizational psychology we typically don't include entrepreneurship in the curriculum. So I've never really studied it. Um, and so I started digging in because it's usually studied in the business school. And I came from a psychology department. Um, and I just came across a statistic, you know, when I was like reading and trying to, to learn about the the landscape and the ecosystem, that 97 to 98% of all of the funding, like the billions of dollars that venture capitalists put into startups, go to men. And my head about blew up. And I was like, this can't be real. Like, you know, because in the hiring world where I came from, like that would be illegal. <laughs> you yeah. can't have 98% men into a company. Um, so why is it happening there? Like, it just, like, I was just so mad. Like, so pissed off you know especially coming from like uh, like thinking about my mom and her building her company you know she did that when i was so young i I have no early memory of it but i can't imagine what she went through you know if it's like this today and i started researching the decision making process like how do venture capitalists decide who to invest in like what is the process like how do they make the judgment of whether or not somebody's going to you know build a company and be successful and what I learned was that the decision making process on average across all firms pretty much consisted of um, you're in my network and know somebody that I know yeah. so you have got that selection bias of you know just if you're not in this network then they don't even consider you um, they asked At least this is how it was probably like five years ago it's changing a little bit but they would ask for a warm introduction so meaning that you had to be introduced by someone they already knew they couldn't get like a cold application or call or anything um and they would rarely consider those and then the other two things that were unstructured interviews or like meeting with the the founder and reference calls and in industrial organizational psychology, we've studied many methods of, you know, selecting and assessing people's performance and potential for performance and reference calls and unstructured interviews tend to be the least predictive, least informative methods. Um, and so I just realized like, wow, there's like a huge room to impact the like overall field and like help increase the rate of startup success by helping venture capitalists make decisions based on the qualifications and characteristics that are actually linked to performance in entrepreneurship and not just who do you know and who can you, you know, give me the phone number that's gonna say something nice about you (laughs) because you picked the person that I'm gonna call. Um, And so I switched very rapidly Well, it might have been gradually, but there was never a point where I decided. It just sort of happened where I started building the company to build um, tools and resources and insights and assessments for venture capitalists to make unbiased decisions that were measuring and understanding things about people that actually were directly relevant to the job, not any kind of like social network aspect. Um, And so that you know, we did that in the hiring world back in the 1960s and the 1964 Civil Rights Act, um, where we introduced, you know, a lot of the the protections for um, uh, minority groups, like race, gender, age. And because of that, over time, organizations, started making different decisions they became more diverse so i'm hoping to i mean that took a while it's going to take a while for us too but i do think that there's some history and patterns that we can change the mentality of like don't worry about who's in your network like worry about who's going to actually perform in the future and that's not only better for the ecosystem because we'll get more diversity of people in it but also you're more likely to get money back from your investment (laughs) because you're focusing on the things that actually predict performance. Um, So that's where my company started. And then we've been around for about four or five years now. Um, And there was just such high interest in the um, entrepreneurial ecosystem for the work that we do that we kind of expanded our scope. So now we work with startups and startup development organizations, helping them, um, We do a number of things. We work with entrepreneurs to help them gain self-awareness and help them understand how they best fit in um, the entrepreneurship, like performance. Like where do they fit best? So, like for example, um, I am a dreamer, a thinker, the typical like entrepreneur. Like I think big and abstractly and all over the place and. So, like, I'm really, really good at doing, like, the visioning work and thinking about, like, where are we going to go in three to five years? Um, not so great at other parts of the job. Um, so, I had, a, you know, brought on a team to help me fill in those spaces. And so, I made sure that I the work that I was doing was stuff that I was good at and that I enjoyed. And then I just brought on the other people who could do other things better than I can. And so, we work with... Um, solo founders but then we also work with teams helping them build a diverse team and understand why it's important to build a diverse team um, how to be effective as a team Um, and the next thing we're moving into is we're building a organizational culture assessment so helping um, startups really create a strong foundation for building culture you know if you've been paying attention to the startup world over the last five to ten years there's been so many you know examples of just culture getting out of control and even like yeah. a term bro culture <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we had a lot of startups reach out to us like we don't want to be those startups you know like how do we prevent that um and so we're working like in some cool projects and on, on helping um founders intentionally design their cultures to have control over it basically. So it doesn't get unwieldy. And, you know, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like Uber was in their um, papers for so many so long about their toxic culture and how bad it was. And um, so I think that was right around the time that other startup founders started to get like scared, like we don't want to be them. (laughs) How do we, how do we prevent that?
0: Um, that's great you're doing some really important work and um so how can um how can you help immigrant entrepreneurs what is some of your advice and what they what can they reach out to you and your company for yeah so i think
1: the best advice i could give any immigrant or child of an immigrant is to truly truly embrace the uniqueness um because that's what makes a good entrepreneur, right? Like, if somebody's the same as everybody else, like, the, nobody's looking to invest in the same. They want something new and unique and shiny. And so, when I finally got comfortable with, you know, being different, I really just like dove all in. It was like, I, I think differently. Like, I see the world differently. Like, how can I really leverage that? And, you know, in my field, we don't typically work with startups because they're smaller organizations and that means less data and we're data-driven field. But I was like, well, I'm going to think outside the box and figure out how we can work with these small companies because they're the ones that need this work the most. Um, So my advice is just love yourself and embrace the the differences because that's what makes you so cool. And um, also I think what we were talking about earlier is like, Never, ever let somebody tell you you can't do something Um, because if you believe you can't do something, then that will actually affect whether or not you do it. So um, keeping that belief that, you know, anything, you know, you can do anything. There's going to be a lot of hardships and obstacles, but only real person who can say no is yourself.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And it's really hard to be resilient when you're getting those no's, when you're different, when you feel like. You're not equal to the other people who are pitching for different, you know, venture capital opportunities. Um, so, can you uh, tell us what's the name of your company? How can people find you and reach out to you and your team?
1: Yeah, so our company is named Blackhawk Behavior Science. Um, to co-founders both of us are female so pretty unique there um we're fighting that good fight um, every day minus on linkedin twitter instagram or go to our website blackhawk.io i think one thing that maybe some immigrant entrepreneurs might uh, like about the work that we do is we have a personality assessment that assesses your personality but then fits you and like shows how you can be a good entrepreneur and where to gain self-awareness and where you might have gaps And then it comes with like kind of a guidebook for developing um, yourself as an entrepreneurial leader. Um, Because the one thing that's really unique about entrepreneurs and founders is they don't have the professional development support that would come from like a larger organization. So they have to take on that growth and that learning themselves. So we're trying to build tools that make that easier. Um, So I think, you know, for any immigrant entrepreneur, that's a great place to start, but, um, their companies are going to be just like any other companies. They're going to have teams and cultures. And um, so we, we can help with any human capital related aspect. We have some off the shelf packages, but we also do some custom work um, sometimes. So, uh, and I am on Twitter as Nikki Blacksmith or on LinkedIn. People can reach out to me there. I love getting messages from other people and, um, you know, helping them you know, connecting people. I think networks are huge, especially in the entrepreneurial ecosystem and just knowing people and having others to like, be like, it's a hard thing. And you're not alone. Cause I think sometimes as a founder, you're in your own world all the time. And it's so lonely because nobody understands like, what you're going through. Cause there isn't a parallel person in the organization that has that same job. Right. Um, like, you know, if you were to go to an organization where you, know, you have peers and you can talk to them about, you know, things, but as a founder, you're on your own. So yeah, please do reach out. Anybody who's listening, like I'm happy to help. Um, I love working with other entrepreneurs, especially those that um, don't have or haven't had the same opportunities that are available to more of the privileged groups in the U.S.
0: Thanks so much, Nikki. I will link all the websites that you mentioned in the notes of the podcast and I might take you up on that assessment thing because I'm um, myself, I'm working on a business idea. So it'll be cool to take that personality test. And thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join the podcast. One last question I have for you is, you offered so much help for others, but what are you looking for as an entrepreneur? And what is something that um, we can use this platform and, you know, on people to help you and your business with?
1: Um, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. Um, I think that, you know, we're tackling a pretty large problem, the inequity in funding for entrepreneurs. So we're only one company. We know we can help and do things and, and shift mindsets. But there's no way we're going to solve this, you know, problem over. So we've the more strategic relationships we can build, like that other people that are working on the same issues. Um, there's a lot of cool incubators and other um, startup supportive organizations that are focused on uh, Hispanics or Black and Brown founders. Um, and so, if anybody's out there that is trying to diversify the entrepreneurial ecosystem,
0: let's partner up and uh, do it together. <laughs> Absolutely. I already have a couple people in mind to connect you with Perfect. that I've met recently. Well, thanks so much for joining the podcast, Nikki. Thank you, Anna. Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in to the episode. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Are you an immigrant or a child of immigrants? Do you know someone who is an immigrant? would love to share their immigration journey or entrepreneurship journey. I would love to host you and get to know your story. This is a safe space for us to create a community. Please contact me at info at Until next time.